Hi there, this is Kathy from Rock Your Retirement. I've been featured on other podcasts over the years, so I thought I'd let you have a listen. It will give you an opportunity to hear other shows that might interest you. Enjoy! Blog Talk Radio. Recovering a Conscious Connection with me, your host, Reverend Barbara Williams. Today is Wednesday, January the 30th, 2019. It is 6 p.m. here on the East Coast, 3 p.m. on the West. Today's guest is Kathy Klein, and I will properly introduce her in a few moments. Recovering a Conscious Connection is reclaiming and restoring a relationship with self. Building a relationship with self is a daily process of self-inventory, staying true to your values without compromising no matter what. If you care to call in, the telephone number is area code 347-934-0853, area code 347-934-0853. When we return, I will properly introduce our guest, Kathy Klein. I'll be right back. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place like gravity. Thank you very much. Decline is a podcaster and host of her show, Rock Your Retirement. She is on a mission to help people have a better retirement. Kathy Klein retired from a 25-year career in financial sales. She noticed that some people who had very little money were having a good time, staying healthy, and enjoying life, while some people who were very healthy were not enjoying life or getting sick. Finally, after years of thinking about how the best way to help others, presenting Kathy Klein. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Barbara. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm a little cold. What about you? (laughs) Oh, it's it's uh, right now. It is three degrees, and we are working our way downward. (laughs) We are working our way downward, so we're getting there. But you know what? Let me. I'm 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 warm. I've got heaters on. We're we're okay. We are okay. Let me tell you what I did to stay a little bit warmer. I went out and bought myself a onesie. Oh, uh, do you know what a onesie is? <laughs> yes, it's uh, has the mittens. Some of them have mittens, you know. Some of them have have uh, the hands, but it's a it's a one oh. garment with the feet and everything. I know what a onesie is. 
So is yours made out of flannel? Um, it's kind of a, not really flannel. I think it was kind of a Christmas joke kind of thing, but it doesn't have mittens and it doesn't have feet. It's just a one, like a onesie without the hands and feet. And um, when I wear that at night, it keeps Uh me very warm. And I'm thinking about putting it on right now. (laughs) So cold. Okay. So let me ask you, your your journal, Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal, and uh, keep your life on track by tracking what's important. What was your motivation yes. for writing your journal? Well, let me tell you, I was, as you mentioned in the introduction, I was a retirement planner for a good 25 years. And I noticed that retirement and having a good life is not just about money. And all of my, you know, all of the people that I worked with and a lot of the people that were financial advisors at the time, all they focused on was money. And so I thought, gosh, what can I do? So I started this podcast back in 2016. Thank you for mentioning the Rock Your Retirement Show. And I started interviewing people. And what I found was that there are actually six areas of life that make a good life or a good retirement. Do you want to hear what they are? Please. Yes, I do. Well, the first is spiritual, and you probably you know, know a lot about that. The second is your significant other, either one that you have or a lot of people want to have a significant other, but they don't have one. And so I, I made that one of the six pillars. The third is friendship. The fourth is to have a purpose in your life. The fifth is family. I separate family from significant other. And the last is health. And not necessarily in that order. So can you think of anything that I might have missed, Barbara? No, but I would certainly like to hear about each one, each item that you just mentioned. Do you want me to call you Reverend? Do you want me to call you Reverend? Or Barbara, 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 Ms. Williams. Barbara is fine. <laughs> Barbara is fine. I'm like, am I calling yeah. you by the right name? <laughs> yes, Barbara is fine. Thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. And so in the journal, people actually track these areas every day. So you would give yourself a little goal, like a, like a small goal each day. Mm-hmm. The first thing that you would do is write down in the morning something you're grateful for. And I learned a little, a little trick on this because when I first started tracking my gratitude, I, I, after a couple of weeks or a month or so, I started trying to figure out what else I could track. And a visiting pastor, the whole congregation, a tip on finding things you're grateful for. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I do. Well, he said, start the first day. With something that starts with the letter A, and then on the Ooh. next day, find something with the letter B. You know, so like for example, the first day you might be grateful, you know, for apples. You just love apples, no. and you're grateful for apples. And then the second no. day, you might be grateful for. I'm trying to think of something that starts with B. Um, the bench that you sit on in the park. And then the third day, you might be grateful for, I don't know, what starts with C. Can you think of something, Barbara? Hello. I'm putting you on. 
Cantaloupe or cantaloupe. Yeah. Cantaloupe. Right. Cantaloupe. Yeah. And so you would just, that's kind of a a good way to try to remember what you're grateful for. Mm. And so, yeah, now I don't specifically mention that in the journal, but that's just kind of a tip that I learned. So anyway, you write just something quick. You know, you just, this, this journal is not meant to spend hours on. It's meant to be something quick in the morning and quick in the evening. And so then you write a goal in either all six of the areas, all six of the pillars, um, you know, like your spiritual goal. For me, it's usually to remember to pray or maybe to mm-hmm. take some time and just release things to God um, significant mm-hmm. other for me usually involves something like being nicer than I normally am, you know, not uh-huh. not being impatient. Friendship, you know, you might want to remember to call somebody, not just Facebook them, <laughs> Instagram, you know, actually uh-huh. make a, a an actual connection. Purpose for me uh-huh. would be, it, it could be your job. Mm-hmm. It could be something that you do for fun, you know, like what, like your purpose might be to, you know, this, this podcast might be your purpose. I don't know. Or this radio show, Um, you know, just one little thing in your purpose, you know, like for me, it might be um, putting together some videos. It might be, you know, create the outline or something like that. Family. Wow. I love that. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Well, you wouldn't want to put something on there that's going to take 10 hours, you know, so it might be figure out what the next topic is going to be, you know, just something quick in these little, because remember, it's daily goals. Mm -hmm. Family for me might be to call my sister or, you know, maybe buy a birthday gift or something like that. And then health for me usually involves how many steps I'm getting per day or water, drinking Mm. enough water because those are those are two areas that I usually am tr- am trying. I'm striving. <laughs> I strive mm-hmm, in my health mm-hmm. area. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then at night, so that should take you no more than ten minutes in the morning. Right. I know it sounded right. like a lot, but it should it should really be fast. And then at night, you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten how well you did in each area, mm-hmm. and then you write notes you know, about your day. And then at the bottom, right. there's a place to track how many steps you have taken. If you're, if you're tracking that, how much water you drank and how much sleep you got. Mm-hmm. And every 10 days or so, there's a place to say, you know, how you think the last 10 days went. And then at the very, very back, there's a place to write notes. So like I put my shopping list in there. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Okay. Barbara, right. you have to understand, I created this journal for myself. And then people said, okay. why don't you spell that? And that's why I listed it. Because I'm like, there there really wasn't a journal that did everything I wanted it to. So I created it for myself. And then I listed it for sale. So people can buy it on, you know, if, if people. But so anyway, what do you think? <laughs> I think, you know, I think that uh, it's a very, I think it keeps one structured. I think, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it is a structured tool in as much as for someone like me, I could use the structure. I mean, I journal, but I, in all honesty, I could do better. Um, but I do know that journaling uh, helps to clear the mind. 
it helps to prioritize and give, uh, what do you call it, perspective. It gives me perspective, and it clears the, my spirit, and it really opens up a window for the day. It opens up a window for my spirit and my soul to be able to move forward because I've gotten all of the negative out of the, out of the way. Some individuals journal in the morning, and then others, I wouldn't call it journaling at night, but they, they do some form of an inventory. And for me, journaling is like an inventory. It's, it's kind of like an inventory. So I wholeheartedly support journaling. Right. Yeah. Yes, and I, I, I was always trying to figure out, I was always trying to figure out how to journal. Like, should I be writing, you know, just like a diary, like when you were, you know, 12, where you wrote 15 pages. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't find the time to do that myself. You know, I just want to jot something out quick. I admire the teens that actually sit and take time out to journal because when I was a kid, I didn't do that. We didn't have. Oh, you didn't? I don't remember. No, I don't remember doing that. I don't. I don't. Matter of fact, I don't remember journaling until in my mid-80s, the the years mid-80s, when I was in my mid-30s. I was going to say, you're 80? (laughs) You don't look 80. No, no, (laughs) no. Not yet. (laughs) I have a a few days left before. Oh, 1983, to be be exact, is when I began journaling, quite frankly. Uh, But, and I was was suggested. What was special about what was special about 1983? Well, for me, it was a turning point in my life. So uh-huh. there were some issues. There, there were there were some issues going on that I that needed to be taken care of, and so I needed to take care of them. And uh, and you they, did it. Yes. Well, that's good. Yes. That's and good. Journaling, are these are journaling these public things? No. Uh, no. And so what journaling no. did for me. What journaling did for me, for me, it was like a road map. Where am mm. I? Where do I want to be? How am I going to get there? And what is the pro- what is my daily insight and feelings every day? Now that's how it, that's how I looked at it, and I still view it to this very day. It's a ro- it's a objective road map of a, of objectives and a roadmap of tools and goals, how am I going to get there, and what am I feeling while I am en route to it. And even though, and it's like I don't have a date in mind as to how am I going to get there, it's just this is what's going on. And another thing with journaling for me is I I have a tendency, not often, but I have a tendency to like look back maybe six months ago to see where I was, uh, how did I get through it, and here's a, here's a situation that may very well on some level resemble the other situation. What did I do? What was I feeling? Uh, so I wholeheartedly uh, endorse journaling without question. It also helps if you're improving. See, you can see that you're improving. Yes, of course. You know, where you were where you were five years. I like to go back. Now I just moved and 
I, I did a cross-country move. I was living in San Diego, and, and now I'm living in South Carolina. And mm-hmm. I just found some of my journals from high school. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous to open them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're sitting. Yeah, because when I was, I was uh, you know, in high school, things, I, I was very depressed in high school. And I mean, I was a good student. I was a B, you know, a B average student. I didn't study like my sister did. My sister was an A student. And I figured, eh, if I get by with a B, that's good enough. (laughs) But it it was when, where I lived, I lived in Alaska and it was very cloudy. It rained a lot. We used to get 300 inches of precipitation a year. And wow. I don't do well in that kind of environment. And so I, I just I just remember my high school years as not being very good. I see. But who knows? All right. Maybe if I go back and read my journals, I'll I'll find that they were better than I'm remembering. You know, time you has know, a way of clouding things, right? Right. I do remember vividly from 2008, 2011, and I have the folders to prove it. I journaled every single day. Oh, I, I called it. it every single day. And there were no less, no less than three pages per day. I've got the folders to prove it. And oh. during that time I was and during that time I was going through something. And then and so I gained perspective. Now recently Maybe I think it was September, oh September or or October. I was going through another. It, it requires some emotional anchoring, is what I call it, emotional and mental anchoring, and uh, spirituality helped. And I actually sat down, and in essay form, I made an outline. I drew a circle. I, mm-hmm. This worked for me. I drew a circle. Inside the circle was the issue. I was able to identify that issue and what exactly was causing, how did I get myself in that situation, and how do I get myself mm-hmm. out of it. And and a journal literally walked me through my feelings from the time I woke up in the morning and between going to sleep at night I wholeheartedly endorse a journal without question. Without hmm. question. Well, I'm glad that helps you. And everybody journals differently. Like you said, you journaled three pages. That would be tough every for morning. me. Yeah, that would be tough. But everybody's different. And you were working yes. something out. It sounds like you got it all worked out. So and that's I'll very, you know, it helps you. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you something else. Whatever was going, whatever it was I was thinking, I was not filtering it out. As I was thinking it, I was I wrote it down. So I was thinking, I was thinking about washing clothes, and out of nowhere, an apple came into mind. Boom! I wrote about the apple. Whatever was going on in my mind at that time, now that worked for me. Well, that's that's what you were you were getting something out of your head. And and exactly. getting out of your own way so that you can work through that issue. And it sounds like you got through it. So what you did was exactly what you needed to do at the time. Yes. 
Yes. So are, you, are you still journaling now? I still journal. Uh, it's not about the same. Yes, I, I still journal. Uh, it's not three pages of it. It's not three pages every morning like it was. Uh, mm-hmm. I give it one page in the morning. It's no, it's no page at night, but it is one page at least every morning. Every morning, my coffee, yeah. my pen, mm-hmm. I, do, I do it pen to paper. No iPhone, no computer, a pen in my hand, and I'm writing note by note, letter by letter. Very there is something very. nice about physically writing something with a pen that's different from typing, don't you think? Yes, it is. Yes, because the the computer and the mechanism, it's it, it's not personal. It's it's something about it that's benign and not personal. Whereas me and the pen and the paper, the element of the paper and the element of the ink, it's it's different. Maybe I'm being too mm-hmm. deep, but for me, but for me, it's you know it's like the elements are coming together and I'm making a connection with the paper and it's just it's just just different. That's all. It's like a spiritual. It's more of a spiritual connection with the pen and the paper yeah. than just yeah. typing something out. For me, anyway. Right. Right. You know, I like, I, I and mean, I like being able to see my handwriting that, yes, I wrote that. That's in my yes. handwriting. I That's did that. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And another thing, I have a tendency to examine my handwriting. Where, where was I five years ago? Why was the script right. that way right. five years ago? I mean, was I in a rush? Was I harried? Was I full of angst? Was I calm? And I won't know that if I, for me, I, if I can't, like, look down at the handwriting and say, oh, okay, not only are the words there, but this is, this is the way my energy was flowing as I was writing. Listen, for me, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I mean, I use the computer all day long, but when it comes to journaling, by hand. It's all hand. I'm with you. I like to journal by hand. You know, I like to have a physical representation of my thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you still do journal. So, would you have a format? Like, do you just write whatever comes to your head, or do you have whatever, a little bit of a format? Like whatever, whatever is in my head, it is about to be evicted. So, I evict it <laughs> out of my head. It cannot afford. I have a penthouse brain. It has no business there, so my mind is too expensive for it to to be there. It has a notice. It is evicted, and so it's clear for the rest of the day, and then the next morning, there's another eviction process. I don't look at it as a negative. I look at it as, okay, you got to go, so I got to make room for the goodness, but you got to go. Bye-bye. And as I'm writing, okay. I'm not I'm not thinking that I'm not thinking. Okay, thoughts you got to go. I am literally thinking about what I'm writing. I'm mindful about exactly what's going on. Why did what happened? How did I feel? I'm a feeling based person. A lot of people don't know that. 
I'm a feeling-based person, so I write a lot about how I feel about a situation. I identify the situation. I'm very thorough about identifying a situation. Then how did I feel about the situation? So so if I ever again go through experience and experience like that, I don't want to feel that experience. So So are you basically so you're basically Barbara, you're basically writing about things that happened to you the day before, the week before, the year before. You're basically saying this happened to me and this is how I felt about it. Is that kind of how you journal? Precisely, as as well as Perfect. Uh, anticip- as well as anticipating something that's about to happen. How do I feel about what's about to happen? Uh, so it's mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot having to do with purging uh, what has happened and how do I feel about what's about to happen. So it sways back and forth, but it's more to do with what mm-hmm. has happened. I will say that. Yes. Okay. okay. I will say that. Now, uh, regarding regarding how can a retiree create their own support system? You know, it's very important because there are a lot of elder uh, retirees. Most retirees, I'm sure, they're yep. in a good space, they're active and what have you. Uh, but how do they create a support group in the first place? How is it done? How is it when someone uh, leaves? a job in good standing after 35, 40, 25, 30 years. And so they're leaving that family. The work environment is a family. So then how do they unplug Mm -hmm. from that, not become depressed, plug into the retirement mode, and be happy with that? Tell me what that process is like. Well, let me tell you, from the Rocky Retirement Show, I've interviewed – so many people and this this has come up several times and basically what you have to do is you have to start building that support system before you retire now if you're already retired and it's too late to build it before you retire don't worry you can still build a support system but it it really helps to start getting friends outside of work you know, a year or two before you're going to retire. And one way that many of my guests have done this is through a, a website called meetup.com. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. We have a couple here in the Hudson Valley. Okay. Well, see what you, for your listeners that don't know about meetup, you just go to meetup.com and you put in your zip code, and you sign up for a free account. And with that free account, you can find meetups that are in person. Even though the the program is online, you're actually meeting people in person. And you can do a search for something that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's done in person. So let's say that you like to go on... Uh, let's say you like to hike or let's say you like to bicycle or let's say you like to garden or let's say you like to read all of these types of activities. There are other people in your city that like to do it too. And Mm so first, the first thing you do is search. So let's say you, you want to start reading more. 
And so you would do a search for a book club in your area. And most of these book clubs will get together maybe once a month. So they'll talk about books that they just read and they'll assign a book for the following book club meeting. And that's what I did when I first joined Meetup. I, I was in a book club and I was also in a group called Fun, gosh, what was it called? It was a group in my neighborhood and it was called Fun Something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And my husband and I had just gotten married. This was in 2008. And we didn't know anybody really. You know, he moved, I moved, and we needed to find new friends. And so we went on Meetup and we, we, I joined and he, you know, sort of tagged along with me. And I joined a couple of groups, the book club he didn't attend, but the fun, I think it was called Fun Friends. And we would just do different things. We would get together and play games and we would, um, you know, go to restaurants, have potlucks at people's homes. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know what, we really want to meet couples that are our age. Because the fun friends, a lot of them were, you know, 20 years younger than us and they were single. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a dating club or anything like that. It was really just to get together and have fun. And so I started a group called North County Young at Heart, and it was for people that were our age, couples, who were either married or had been in a significant relationship for two years or more. And I have to tell you, Barbara, in the beginning, the group was slow. You know, nobody was joining. Nobody knew about it. It was just me and my husband and and so I printed out some business cards that had the information. And every time I saw a couple that looked like they were fun, I'd hand them a card and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know about this group. And um, we would, if, if my husband and I were going to do something, we would post it on the website. And if nobody showed up, fine, we were doing it anyway. And if people showed up, great. And then all of a sudden, I had... I don't know, something like 140 couples in this group. And we really? found some of our best. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very slow at first, but then oh. the, gr- the group grew. And then Meetup changed their pricing. Because if, if you host, if you are a Meetup organizer, like let's say you had a group called Barbara's Healing Arts Group, and you guys all got together and talked about spiritual things. You know, so maybe you ha- would have a spiritual, you know, sort of a gathering once a month or once a week or whenever. You would have to pay $15 a month or so to have that group. And then they changed it to where the bigger groups had to pay more. So I went through and I basically pulled out everybody that hadn't been in the group for a while. And, you know, over time, the group kind of dissipated because I had found my friends and I wasn't really interested in running the group anymore. But Mm -hmm. just for your listeners, if there isn't a group in your area, you can create one and you can tell people about it or you can let Meetup advertise it for you. And eventually, if you have activity, you you can't just have a group and never have an activity because there's nobody there. You have to have activities mm-hmm. or nobody will join. You see what I'm saying? You, you have to yes, put I activities do. on the website or no one's going to join. <laughs> so it's kind of like I understand. what comes first. Exactly. So what's first, chicken or the egg? 
And so right. just post what you're going to do anyway, even if it's just you by yourself, just post it anyway, and eventually the group will grow. So, so Kathy, let me ask you this. How long did it take for it be, for, for the group to become, I want to say popular, well, where individuals became interested and they began to show up? It was How about long? six months. More or less. Six it months. It was about six you months. You hung in there. I did. That's I just tenacity. kept, you know, I mean, we, we did get, you know, some people that were active. We did a lot of, I, I wasn't sure when I first started the group, I wanted to do things like go out to dinner, but I didn't know everybody's financial status. So mm-hmm. we tried to do, we tried to put in a mix of things that were free and things that were, you know, people had to pay for. Now I didn't charge mm-hmm. for the group. A lot of meetup organizers will charge like $5 a year just to offset some of their costs. And some meetups are actually paid group, you know, like, like you would have to pay $20 to attend. I, I never was really interested in that because I just wanted to start the group to have my own support system. And I know, a. um, some of the people who came on to the Rocky retirement show told me how they started their meetup groups for their own support system. And so I do mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. that you can use it for that, but you do have to hang in there because when you first start it, no one's going to, no one knows about it. You have to get the word out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm writing a news, I'm writing a newsletter. Uh, today is January 30th and the newsletter is coming out February 1st. What I'm going to do you're going to get an advanced copy. And when, when you read it, it has to do with the elderly. Of the issues mm-hmm. on this newsletter has to do with support systems for the elderly. I'm not even going to go there yeah. as to what exactly it is about. When you read it, then it's about the need for there's something that you have here already. There is an issue that you propose, which I'm going to get to on this during this interview, but it's very interesting that I like this. Meetup, what do you call it, meetup.com? Mm-hmm, meetup.com. And for elderly people, let's say you are you don't use the computer. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably use a computer, right, right. or a phone, right? Right. Because um, it's on Blog Talk Radio, right? And so yes, it most is. people that listen to blog talk radio are listening either on their phone or a computer or something like that. But for people who don't, usually there's also senior centers where things are going on. You know, they, they have lunches. I, for one, like to, to sometimes go to the senior center for lunch because there's people all around, you know, and it's low cost. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, you know, where I lived, it was like $7.00. For lunch, five dollars, seven dollars, something like that for lunch. Here. I don't. You know, we have those here. We yeah, and so here. you can just. I think, I think they have them every day. I'm not sure, but I know Office of the Age it does have access to senior senior centers, food banks, and what have you. Yeah. Well, the the goal is to go and sit with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that you can strike up a conversation with somebody. You know, not not just sit by yourself or grab the lunch and go home. The goal right. is to meet people, right, and get to know people. And so, Absolutely. but you're right. There are a lot of elderly people that are lonely, 
And I'm looking forward to reading your, your newsletter. Let me ask you, well, let me go back over here. Social and family issues. What exactly are some of the social or some of the family issues exactly? Mm-hmm. Well, we all have family. I think we all have family issues. Okay. And uh, it's hard because your family, you can't, you don't pick your family. You know, your, your God sort of picks who your family is going to be. And we grew up, we all, we all were there in the same house at one point, but we all have our different perspectives. So I'm going to give you an example of a family issue that I've, I've talked about this before, and it's just, it's just an example. Okay, it's just an example. So my two sisters and I were on a cruise. We went to a cruise. My, my older sister graduated from college, and so my younger sister and I, chipped in and we bought her like this little four day, three or four day cruise from San Diego to Mexico or LA to Mexico. I don't remember exactly, but it was to Mexico. And I think it was three days. And when we're getting off the ship, I'm carrying, have you ever been on a cruise, Barbara? Yes, I have. Okay. So, you know, when you disembark, it's kind of a crazy, it's kind of crazy. And So I'm carrying my bag. I don't like to, I like to just take my bag with me. I know that that's a little unorthodox, but I just like to take my bag because I don't like to, you know, try to find my bag and, you know, deal with all that. So we usually get off when I go on a cruise, I usually get off with the first round of people and I carry my own bag. And Mm -hmm. so I'm carrying my bag. I've got something in both hands. And there's people telling you that you have to get your passport out. And so I stopped. I, they said, get your passport out. And so I ooh, my passport's in my purse. And I wear my purse as a backpack. And so I can't just grab it. I actually have to physically stop with my bag. My bag, you know, I'm, everyone's walking. So I pull over to the side of the wall so I'm not in everybody's way. I I let go of my two bags. I take my purse off my back and I'm reaching in to get my my passport. And the lady says, you can't stop there. And I said to, I said back to her, you just told me to get my passport out. Right. And then, so then my sister says something to me like, I don't know what she said now. I I actually have forgotten, but it was basically siding with the person who I was having this altercation with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. And that did not sit well with me because Mm -hmm. I was obviously in the right, Barbara. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. I was obviously in the right. And uh, my sister says then, are you, are you upset or are you mad? I said, Yes, yes, I am. You know, I'm the type of person that I don't hold it in. You know if I'm upset with you. And so then I was mad for like 20 minutes. Um, So I could have handled that better. So that is an example of family issues. Not a big thing, right? It's not that I won't go to her house or she won't go to my house and she probably doesn't even remember it anymore. 
but we all have family issues. I mean, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, do you have a I perfect exactly relationship with your family? Uh, well, most of my family, uh, the ones that are were older than me, uh, older than mm-hmm. I, they have made their transition and gone gone home to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I have I have the younger ones. They don't remember the family, the elders and what have you. But um, what exactly was your question again? You understood about family issues now that I explained just a small example. Yes, yes I understand. Yes, I do. I understand. I, I understand about family issues. Yes, I do. I yeah. Do. So, so some of the things that we talk about on the show are how to, you know, I've had people come in and talk about how to deal with family issues, how to not let these things blow up out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Now, am I the expert in this? No, I am not the mm-hmm. expert in, in, mm-hmm. I'm not a psychologist, you know, I'm not a, therapist but that's why I created you know that's why I try to just make a little a little short goal every day about how I'm going to mm-hmm. be better mm-hmm. because I can't expect keep, everyone else to change you know things change when you change right when I change things will right. change now keeping keeping the parents safe in the home when you say safe mm-hmm. you mean from from the family members Safe from how? So when I say keeping your parents safe at home, I'm talking about when they're when they get too elderly, where things become dangerous for people to live by themselves. Okay. So for example, we all you know if you live in the San you know, in my generation, a lot of us have kids that are in college that we're still kind of supporting maybe not financially, but emotionally. And we have parents that are getting elderly. They're getting frail. They might have Parkinson's disease. They might have dementia. So, so that's part of family issues as well, is trying to keep your family safe. Certain things that you can do, like, for example, there is something, let's say that you're a primary caregiver for your, for your mom, and mom has dementia, and you still work. How are you going to deal with that? Are you going to have? Are you going to? Prov- are you going to hire somebody to come in and take care of mom? Are you going to try to work at home? Or is mom going to go into a nursing home? How How are you going to deal with that? So one of the things, and so one of the things that I learned about by doing the podcast is: Did you know that there are places called adult daycares? Centers. I've heard of them. Yes, I've heard of them. I have to tell you, I had never heard of them. And then when I started learning more about these kind of things, I, you know, my husband's dad had dementia. And he was also frail, so he couldn't really walk up and down stairs. And so what they did was they hired a caregiver to come in and take care of dad while mom would go shopping, take a shower, you know, I mean, It's like having a small child if you've got somebody with full-stage dementia or Alzheimer's. It's, like, very difficult to even, you know, take a shower, right, because you're afraid the person might hurt themselves. And so she would go for, you know, maybe four or five hours, and this caregiver would sit there. Well, my husband and I visited, and we found that the caregiver really wasn't doing anything. 
wasn't interacting with dad, wasn't, you know, basically was just watching, you know, watching TV, looking at his phone, whatever. Compare that to a, an adult daycare. There's interaction with other people. Do you remember when you said that about, about the loneliness, the social loneliness that older, mm-hmm. older adults? Well, think about it. You're in a room with maybe 30 other people. Even if you're not talking to them, just the fact that they're there and there's more people than just, you know, who are there. To me, I, if, if I had to go through this again, instead of getting a caregiver one-on-one, which can be very expensive, by the way, we're talking, you know, $25, $30 an hour versus an adult daycare in San Diego, it was $100 versus, you know, for the whole day. Yeah, versus $25 an hour. That's a big difference in cost. And in my opinion, there's that social interaction there that you might not get if it's just, you'd think that one-on-one would be better, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. But you're saying that that's not good enough. Oh. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm just thinking of the social because because of what I saw with the one-on-one, there really wasn't interaction there. And so you have yeah, more isolated. So anyway, everybody has their own way of dealing with these kind of issues. But sometimes there's solutions that we haven't even thought about. Like what I'm talking about with the adult daycare. I didn't even know they existed. I thought the only way to deal with this was to get a a one-on-one. I thought that was the only thing you could do is just get a one-on-one caregiver. I didn't know that I didn't know there were adult daycares. Well, you are educating us about about that situation, about that. Let me ask mm-hmm. you this. Regarding keeping and or finding a new love, I see that. Mm. Uh, talk, to, talk to us about that, please. Well, uh, Barbara, I don't know what your situation is. Are, are you in love right now? No. Okay. But have you been in love in the past? I've, I have, yes. <laughs> so there's there's something in our soul I believe that God created us to be together, you know, with another person that we love. I think that that's how we, we were created to be a part of somebody else. That's my, that's my feeling. And so if you're in a relationship, what I have found just by being around some of my friends is that we tend to take our relationships for granted as women. You know, we feel that the man should be sort of bending to us. <laughs> I don't know if that's a woman thing or if if that's a, I love a that. current, you know what I mean? I love that. I love and exactly so, how you worded it. Yes. Bending to us, exactly. And so sometimes we need to bend a little bit. And if we take, you know, we feel, we feel that the man should, should, should know about our feelings and he should take into consideration us, but we don't always do the same for them. We don't, we don't, sometimes we, we say things to our love that we would never say to our friend, you know, our, our female friend. Like we would never say that because we, that would hurt her feelings. 
but sometimes things come out of my mouth. I, I would never say to my husband, you know, I would never say to my friend. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of, part of the high divorce rate in the United States could have to do with that. And mm-hmm. so basically my feeling is that we as women should try to treat our, our loves more like we treat our friends and try okay. to realize that men do have feelings. Sometimes we think that they, they don't, but men do have feelings. And if we keep that into consideration, our relationship, our loves are going to, they're going to grow stronger and last. I mean, we have a problem in this, in this country of our love not lasting. And so that's, that's basically my thought on that, you know, is to try to keep our loves, you know, that's why I try to give myself a small goal to just, you know, this morning I, I said a prayer this morning and in the prayer was, let me be more patient with my husband. That was part of my prayer because I, you know, I'm in the middle of this move, things are stressful and I find myself snapping at him. And he doesn't say anything. He's he's just the nicest person. He would he would never call me out on it. But I know it's got to it hurt. Sounds like a very nice, snap out. Sounds like a very nice man. He is. And and I'm lucky yeah. that he puts up with me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so now let me ask you oh. before before people retire, what ought they need to know? Well, I would say that before you retire, you need to know that depending on the type of job that you had, it might not be all roses. You know, you might think, oh, I can't wait till the day I retire. And then you retire and you're like, now what? Now you might be busier in retirement than you were when you were working. But unless you have something that is your purpose, that you can replace that feeling of working you might have problems adjusting. So for some Mm -hmm. people, their purpose is their grandkids. For some Mm -hmm. people, their purpose is whatever their volunteer work is. You know, I highly recommend that you do, um, that you have some volunteer work that you are giving back to the community. Right. But you have to figure out what that is. What is your, I mean, God put us on earth to do something. What is it something mm-hmm. that God put you on earth to do? Mm-hmm. And figure that out so that you're not mm-hmm. depressed. You know, I just, list, I was listening to a podcast. Um, there's this movement in this country right now called FIRE. Have you heard of it? FIRE, F-I-R-E. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a young person's movement. Stands oh, for really? Financial Independence Retire Early. So oh. it's a small movement. It's a small movement. It's not a huge movement. I, I would, I'm guessing there's probably about 200,000, maybe 250 people that, that follow this movement. But basically what they do is they're young people, like 20s, who save like half their income. Like they just save and save and save half their income. And their goal is to get a million dollars like within eight, five, eight years. And then mm-hmm. when they have the million dollars, yeah, they just save, save, save. And then they're trying to save up a million dollars. You know, they're saving half their income. 
And mm-hmm. some of them save more than half their, I don't, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And when mm-hmm. they get their million dollars, they say they're going to live on 4% of a million, which is 40,000 a year. And, and that's kind of like their goal. And one of, I was listening to a podcast that the, that's kind of their topic, this fire financial independent retire early. Now I'm too, you know, I'm, I'm too old to retire early. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> I mean, for normal people, 50s is pretty young to retire. But these people, they want to retire when, you know, before they're 40. Like some of them want to retire when they're like 28 or 30. Oh, um, that's kind so of anyway, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's this really dramatic and drastic living that they do so that they can not work, you know, not have to work. So one of them, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and it was this gentleman that did that. He saved like half his income, he retired and uh, got a, he started as a, you know, he bought a farm basically or, or rented a farm or something and stopped working and found that he fell into this huge depression for like three years and couldn't shake it. And so now, you know, he's probably 30 or something and he just went back to work. Said I, you know, I, I don't have to work, but working helps keep my mind focused, and I don't, I don't feel depressed like I did. And I'm only working part time now, and I know I don't have to work. So if the work starts not feeling good to me anymore, I'll quit. But isn't that interesting? So for it all this time, he, yeah. So people don't realize that just the fact that you're stopping working doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. You've got to figure out what you're going to do at that time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just catching up with your chores isn't going to last that long. You know, going on your trip, catching up on your chores, that's, that's going to be good for what, six months. Then what are you going to do? Then what are you going to do? This is true. I want to ask you about sex and retirement. Uh, We only have three minutes. Uh, but I'd like to hear. <laughs> you save the good stuff for last. <laughs> yes, sex and retirement. Cause we like touch on that for in a, and a couple of minutes. Could we do that? Absolutely. So I had this doctor on my show. That, or she was actually the wife of a doctor, and she said that anybody can have sex, and even if you physically can't do it we still need that physical touch and that physical connection that we get when we have sex and there it doesn't matter how old you are and it doesn't matter if you're frail there are ways for you to be able to have a sexual connection I've actually had several people on my show talking about that and that it's very important and that we shouldn't just decide that we're going to live our lives without it. Sex is a very important part of our, of our lives. I mean, God gave us bodies to enjoy. He didn't give us bodies to go out and, you know, desecrate them. But he gave us these bodies that we are supposed to enjoy with our life partner. Mm-hmm. Now, not not everybody on my show is spiritual in that regard. I mean, they 
they were definitely um, some of the people on my show were talking about how you can, you know, pleasure yourself and things like that. And, and of course, everybody has their own connection with their body. Mm-hmm. But I believe that God gave us these bodies to enjoy within, within limitations. You know, we have so, 90 seconds. We have 90 seconds. Could you give us your contact information, please? Sure. Just go to rockyourretirement.com and you can find the Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal on Amazon. So rockyourretirement.com. That's rockyourretirement.com. Barbara, mm-hmm. thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh. You've been delightful. Thank you very much for, for being a guest. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we have as our guest Kathy Klein. She is author, podcaster, uh, podcaster of That's How You Rock Your Retirement, as well as the 30-Day Journal, Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal, Keep Your Life on Track by Tracking What's Important. The Light of God Surrounds Us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. And the presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is. This is so and so it is. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.